All right. Good morning. How's everybody? You know, uh, I love it when uh, the Navy SEALs show up for church. You go, you know, I'm going. Let me tell you something about the church, Jesus Christ. It's always been counterculture. It's always been counterculture. We have never been the church, and I'm talking about universal, that said, let's figure out what the world is doing and go do that. We are called to be counterintuitive, counterculture. In fact, if you read the Word of God, you know that we were uh, always a persecuted people. In fact, people looked and said in the book of Corinthians, it says, uh, the cross is to those who are perishing, that is a non-believer, foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek. The Bible says that uh, from Paul's perspective in Corinthians, he's writing and he says, we are viewed by the world as the scum of the earth, disregarded. And yet God calls us saints of the living God. He calls us sons and daughters. He says we're a royal diadem in the hand of our God that we are called to be different. When you study the Bible and you see a guy by the name of Abraham and God came to Abraham and he made him basically king of the earth. He said, everywhere you walk, is gonna be yours. Look at the stars, look at the sun, look at the, the sand, and every, every particle you see, so shall your descendants be. And so Abraham, the Bible says, he wandered to and fro all across the land looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He said, I can't find anything here on earth of what I'm looking for, that kind of a city. And Hebrews says he was looking for a heavenly city. His cousin, Lot, he found a place. He built a house over in Sodom, but Abraham never had a house because he always lived in tents because he knew this world was not his home. He was on a journey, and the journey had a mission attached to it, amen? And we're on a journey, and we have a mission attached to what we do. And we are to carry out that mission in everything we do. When you read about the tabernacle of the Old Testament, when God gave the design, he said, let the sand under your feet be a reminder that you're a sojourner. And God said, you can't put a floor in the tabernacle because I want you to remember that you're just passing through, amen? And so when we stand and are counterintuitive uh, and we're counterculture in our world, we are really saying this is who we are. We are the people of God. We are different. We're called to be different, and, uh, and we're going to be different. I, today's sermon is going to be a little bit different than I normally do. It's going to have a combination of uh, kind of a rally, revival spirit, science, information, and whatever else I think of. Amen? Is that good? All right. Tammy said, don't say that in the first service. I said, no, don't say that. Be careful. And I said, you know what? You get to say stuff in the first service because it's not uh, live stream. But I want you to know, live stream, we're going for it today, amen? We love you guys. Thank you for joining us wherever you are around the world. Here's a couple of opening thoughts. We are called to rise above the challenges and the difficulties of life. That's our calling. All our calling is not to fold and say, oh, what are we going to do? It, it's through trials and tribulation that we're purified and we're made, we're made shiny like pure gold for the hand of our Father. It's also a truth that we are to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God. 
Wherever you go, our message is a kingdom message. It's not, what are we going to do? We don't get enough of this and that. Oh my, look at the supply shortage. Hey, last time I looked, God said, I'm your supplier. I mean, have we read that? Right? He said, why do you worry? Why do you worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat? This is in the Beatitudes in the, in the book of Matthew. Why are you worrying? Did worry ever add anything to your life? Have you ever had a good a worry day and you just got done and go, oh, that was so helpful? Man, I got to get another one of those on the books because worry is so powerful in my life. And, and no, you never do that. And when you get done with worry, what did you have for it? Only regret. You never move forward because of worry. And yet what we do is we calendar worry into our life by the way that we think. Did you hear me? We calendar worry into our life by the way that we think. And then we live out our life, and it's almost like we predicted our own worry by the way that we thought and processed what the world is saying is going on today. Hey, I got news for you. This is not the biggest crisis we've ever been in as a people. It's just not. And guess what? It won't be the last one. But guess what? Everything you go through in life, it challenges you to make you a better person, to bring you closer and closer. You see, the other, the other thing I want to say is we are called to gather and seek the face of God. And the church always, whether it was persecuted and met in the catacombs in Rome or whether it was in a cave or wherever it was, in fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, afflicted, persecuted, and it says this, men of whom the world was not worthy. We are supposed to gather, and we're gonna gather as long as we can gather, but we're gonna make good decisions in the process. Let me tell you how our leadership uh, processes what we're going to do and how we make decisions. And first point is divine revelation. The first thing we're gonna do is go, what do we sense God is doing and wants us to do as a church. So we're going to seek the Holy Spirit in everything we do. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at for recommendations from uh, the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Control and to our president. We're going to say, what are they telling us that we should do? And we're going to take that in and we're going to make that a part of the process of how we make decisions in moving forward as a church. And then the third thing is we're going to re rely on and use this risk level chart uh, and I'm going to put it up here, and I'm going to walk through it so you can kind of get a feel for how we make decisions. And for me, it wasn't a hard decision, was not a hard decision for me to make the decision for us to meet today. It was not hard. It was very simple because, number one, divine revelation. I looked at what, who, and, and CDC said, and then this chart. So if you look at it, it, it kind of works on a, just like a, 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 a traffic light. So you look at green, says, there are no cases in my community. So we did, first thing we did is said, are there any cases of community, uh, of, of this disease in our community? That means Anaheim, Yorba Linda, surrounding kind of communities. We said, no, there's no cases. Okay, let's check that off. And then, it, then if it's a green, it says all activities are normal, good public health practices, educate, develop a response plan. So we said, okay, how can we make this place as healthy as we can, even if we're still in the green zone of where we are as a nation? And I said, okay, well, what we can do is we can make a few modifications, and a modification would be like, we'll create space over here if you want more room to sit, 
because you say, I just want to be a little bit. We're going to push live stream. So what you can do is you can look and say, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not feeling well. I'm going to live stream. And so we've got hundreds of people that are live streaming right now, I'm sure. And then we're going to up the level of, of the way the cleanliness of the building. And so we move from a commercial grade disinfectant up to the one that's a hospital grade. And so we're just taking, we're just proactive taking steps. And then if you notice, if we go into yellow, there are cases in my community, but all cases are imported from another area or are contacts to an imported case. So one of the things you learn about epidemics and pandemics is that it's really important to know where did that come from. For example, if it's travel-related, that's different than it is person-to-person -person or community. Those are three categories within epidemics, pandemics. So we look at that very carefully. Um, and then you notice that if we move into the yellow, and by the way, we think we're more in the yellow. So we're, we're embracing more yellow than green, just to be honest with you. We're saying we're gonna modify some activities we're gonna to begin to implement a response plan, and we're gonna communicate and communicate and communicate. So we're gonna shoot videos, we're gonna send you emails, uh, we're gonna drive you crazy with our updates, all right? That's part of our strategy. And then tomorrow, we have a strategy meeting to create content. So what we really believe is, if, if in fact we have to move into a red, we wanna have lots of content for you, and that's for all ages. We wanna be able to say, hey, here's content for children, here's content for students, here's content for adults, here's how groups are gonna function, here's all this content. And honestly, it's, it's a blessing in one way because it has accelerated what we're doing in this field. In fact, we had a part of our tech team here last night to pretty late, uh, setting up a whole new platform for Facebook. You're gonna see, uh, you're already gonna see some, uh, not Facebook for rather live stream, you're already gonna see some changes that are gonna be very, very helpful. Uh, you're gonna be able to watch it on your app, you're gonna be able to watch it on YouTube, you're gonna be able to watch it on Facebook, you're gonna be able to watch it on the website. So it's there on all of those platforms, and the quality's up. And I wanna create channels where we've got channels. You can go, hey, I wanna click onto the youth channel. I wanna see what's going on. What can youth do here, and how can they interact, and how we're gonna use Zoom, and how we're gonna use all these things. So I look at it like, you know, yeah, we don't want this, but in the light of it, we're gonna make some lemonade. Amen? Yeah. We're gonna make lemonade in this process of life. And so then you look at it and say, okay, well what happens when you move into red? Then you modify or cancel some activities, you fully implement a response plan, you communicate, you communicate, you communicate. So we're gonna gather our staff, we're gonna say, how can we minister better, better to our body? How can we reach out to you? So if we call you, don't ignore us. Don't send us to voicemail. We, we are reaching out in love and we wanna know how are you doing? Already we've had people here in, the, in our own family saying, hey, can I go do some shopping for some people that can't get out? Now think about that, amen? I mean, so we're, you know what's gonna happen? The body is gonna better mobilize because of the times we're living in. For me, I think this is good. This is what we're supposed to do, amen? So, so if you look at that, then you go down to the final end there, church close, move online. Now a lot of people made that step really, really fast. And uh, we chose not to do it for those three reasons that we gave you earlier. So I just want you to know how we are thinking and how we are processing what we are doing here. So I bless you, we're, we're not shaking hands, we're using, you think this is the peace sign, or if you lived in World War II, then you know this is the victory sign. Um, but what we're gonna say is this is, this is the no virus sign, <laughs> amen? We're gonna have, vic we're gonna proclaim victory every time you see this, that's victory over disease, amen? 
All right, put your hands together like you mean it. Let's, this is a good day. I sat down and I began to say, uh, ask myself some questions. So these are questions that I have, and hopefully they'll be some of the questions you have, and we can answer some questions. The first one is this one. How did we get into this mess in the first place? How do we get into all this stuff that's going on in our world right now? The second question I ask, is this judgment a consequence or prophetic? And then what should we do now? And then the last one was, what does the Bible predict? That is, is there anything biblically, prophetically that we can look to? So let's just jump back to the first question. How did we get into this mess in the first place? Well, let's start with something very basic. Man rebelled against God. In the very beginning, we said, we really don't like God's rules. So what we're gonna do is break those rules and do what we want, and mankind became what's known as a sinner. So we sinned against God, and that means we rebelled against his truth. Well, when you do that, that brings certain consequences, doesn't it? That brings certain things in your life that are not good. Specifically to our particular issue, there is a book in the Bible called Leviticus. And Leviticus, you might wanna jot this down, it's a very interesting chapter. Leviticus chapter 11 deals with the ceremonial or the dietary laws of the Jews. Now we typically ignore a lot of the Old Testament because we think, oh, that's not for me. But if you go back and you read the dietary laws, you find something very interesting in Leviticus chapter 11 in verse 19. And in verse 19, one of the forbidden things that you don't touch or eat are bats. And you say, well, so what does that have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with Ebola came from bats, okay? SARS came from bats. Coronavirus came from bats. And what happens is they jump species, they jump from animal into human, but they don't do that accidentally. There's definitely something that happens. It's called zoonotics. It's actually the idea of the zoo and how they, how they cross into other species. That's exactly what happened in this situation that we're facing today. And by all accounts, you can trace this back to Wuhan, China, to a live market, or it's called a wet market, and there you have all these different species, and you have this bat that's a problem. They can trace it back. 17 of the first 30 people in Wuhan were traced back to this market, and then all the rest of them were related back to that people that were in that market. So it's no doubt about it. We don't have a lot of doubts about this, okay? So how do we get into this mess? What's really going on? So I just began to research a little bit, study a little bit, and say, okay, why did this happen? Why are they eating these things, selling these things? Why is, what's going on here? And you take it back to in 1970s, and there was a communist leader by the name of Mao Zedong. And Mao Zedong realized that communism could not feed the people of China. So they begin to take steps, and one of the steps they said, let's take people that are more out in the country, and let's turn them into farmers and, and, and entrepreneurs and all of that, and one of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna lift the health codes. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna worry about health. They're, they'll probably be fine. In fact, they probably said, we have too many people anyway. Literally, this is literally what happened. And so what happened was they went, began to bring in these markets and bring in all these species of, of that the Bible would call the Leviticus unclean, untouchable. Some were unclean, don't eat them. Some were unclean, don't eat them or touch them, okay? 
And then all of a sudden, problems began to ensue because of that. But the profit revenue was so great for the Chinese government that they turned a blind eye to it until things began to fall apart all across the nation. In fact, they began to trace things like Parkinson's in China to this thing with bats. They began to trace MS to this connection with bats. And all these things began to happen. Remember, it's all because of a violation of the book of Leviticus. So let me give you some data here. Chinese government acknowledged in December that there was an outbreak of a new virus in Wuhan. This, this is what we know. Chinese officials reported that cases were uh, tied to live, to live animal market, which by the way has now been closed. The market was a leading hypothesis for how the virus made the leap into humans. The genetic evidence and the epidemiological information according to three esteemed infectious disease researchers writing in the New England Journal of Medicine said, and I quote, implicates a bat origin virus infecting unidentified animal species sold in China's live markets. Next question. Is this a judgment, a consequence, or is it prophetic? And I'm gonna say yes to all three. It is a judgment in the sense that we violated the word of God. It is a consequence for us. You say, well, it's not fair. I didn't eat a bat, right? I ain't eating a bat. I'm not even watching Batman anymore. <laughs> Amen? Are you with me on this one? Okay, but remember, everything that we do affects somebody else. You see, we never live our life in total isolation. We never, you say, well, I have the right to live my life and do what I want. You do have that right. I agree with you. But that doesn't mean it doesn't bring a consequence on somebody else's life. And I think a responsible human being, let's just, apart from being a Christian, a responsible human being says, what effect will my actions have on somebody around me? See, that's, what a, that's adult thinking. Childhood thinking says, does it really matter? Long as I get what I want, do what I want, and have what I wanted, that's all that really matters. But that's how children think. But adults think differently. Now let's move it in from the adult to the spiritual man and woman. How do you think? Now you don't just think, how do I avoid hurting someone else? You think about, how do I help somebody else? How do I bless someone? How do I become a kingdom bearer of truth in my community and in my world? How do I become a world changer for society? What do I, how do I do good? How do I live out the message and the mission of Jesus Christ in my daily life? Those are the kind of questions that adult believers should be asking today. Amen? So, is it a consequence? Yes. Is it prophetic? Yes. We're going to show you in Scripture how the Bible predicts that pestilences will come in the latter days. And it's very insightful, so we're gonna give you some information on that level. Let's go to the next question. What should we do? I wanna be very practical on this and say that I wanna thank our president for proclaiming today as a national day of prayer. Now remember, I, it doesn't matter to me if you like him or don't like him. Like his policies or don't like him. I like anybody, he'll say, let's go pray. Am I wrong? I mean, I just, you want to pray? I'm in. I'm in. Amen? The other thing that we have to remember is that we are called to respect and honor the office even if we don't like all the policies. Do you know that I prayed for President Obama? I wasn't an Obama fan, I'll just be honest with you. But I prayed for him. 
And I wanted him to succeed because if he succeeds and does well and does what's right, then our nation is a better nation. You see, and that's a command of God. You say, well, I don't think that's a command of God. Well, it is. Romans chapter 13, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authority. For no authority exists except that which was established by God and for God, and those who rebel against that authority are in rebellion against God. It's just Bible. Don't shoot the messenger. It's just in the Bible. Well, I'd never seen it. Romans 13, all right? It's in there. So he said, let's have a day of prayer. Let's, let's set this aside for prayer. So I want us right now to pause in this service and all of us pray for our nation and our world for good health and for the kingdom of God to come. Amen? Let's just pause right now. Heavenly Father, we gather together. We gather um, thanking you, God, for the, the gift of prayer, for the power of the Spirit, and we ask for healing to come upon our land. We ask for you to stop this virus in its tracks and you to get all the glory, Father. We pray for uh, people's lives to be spared. We pray for good health to come. We pray for the glory of God to be re resound in every corner of every nation around the world, Father. We pray for our, our human brothers and sisters around the world for their life to be spared and for joy to be returned, for peace, prosperity, and power in the Holy Spirit to be given to all. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So I was thinking about prayer, and I thought, you know, what's, what's the most practical thing you can do to pray? And that is to be reminded to pray. You ever had somebody walk up and go, let's pray? And you go, okay. Even if you weren't thinking about it, you go, okay. I mean, because you really look like a bad Christian if you go, no. I am not praying right now. I'm sorry. You go pray. I'm not praying. I've never heard that out of people. I mean, I'm not, I've watched their faces like, I don't have time for this. Are you serious? Or you're a fanatic or whatever. But I've never had to go, no, I'm not praying. So then I was sitting there and I thought, you know what? My phone. It's my reminder. So I got up my phone and I opened up my calendar and I set 12 o'clock noon and then I schedule it for every day into eternity, pray at noon. So I'll get a little alarm, and it'll go pray. And if I'm busy at 12, I can, I, the reminder's still there. I don't dismiss it. And then what I do is as soon as I can, I pray. What would happen if everyone in this room would do that every day for five minutes? Just pray five minutes. If five's too much, could you do three? But think if every person in this room could do five minutes every day, and the first service did five minutes every day, how many collective hours of prayer is that over uh, our lifetime? And it's simple, it's not hard, it's practical, it's easy. I got a reminder. If I, I can dismiss it and not pray, but I feel guilty. You say, well, I'm gonna take it off my couch. You'll feel guilty. Once you get it on there, it's the key, amen? It's like having three moms. You bet, have you done it, have you done it? Have you cleaned your room? No, 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 no. Okay, no, I'm gonna do this. And get practical with what you do. Um, I, I love this scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter seven. In verses 12 through 14, it's really, it's always fresh and brings new insight when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Amen? The Word of God always becomes more powerful when you're in crisis, doesn't it? You ever notice how much you pray when you're in trouble? How about just when you're speeding and you see a policeman come by? I mean, I'm a great prayer in that moment. God, I prayed somebody goes to our church He'll give me a break. God, I'd just strike him with just short-term blindness. I mean, anything, God, right? And I don't want justice. I want mercy in those moments. But we pray in crisis, amen? All right, so let's look at this scripture. 
2 Corinthians 7, then the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. Could anything be better than to believe and to know and be assured that God hears your prayer? Guess what he does? He who watches over Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. Think of that. You might fall asleep in prayer, but God never does. He hears your prayer. I've heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. He said the temple is going to be a house of sacrifice. Guess what? This house is a house of sacrifice. You know what that means? I give up what I want to love my Jesus. I live daily as a daily sacrifice, a living sacrifice unto him, holy and acceptable unto God. This is supposed to be a place. This is supposed to be a place where we say, I, I, I'm gonna give up me for a while and I'm gonna love Jesus. And that's why gathering is so important because it, it's kind of a reminder, isn't it? It's kind of a memory aid to go, oh yeah, this is not about me. This is about God. It's about what we wanna see God do. And it says, so it's gonna be a house of sacrifice. And then look what he says. God says, when I shut up the heavens so it does not rain, Oh, you mean he does that? Yeah, he does that. If he wants to do that, he can shut up and, and command there is no rain. Or how about if I command the locusts to devour the land? You see, some God, sometimes God just has to get our attention. He said, if I, if I bring a drought and if I bring in a pestilence, if I bring something into your life, what do you do? He, he knows us well enough to know we go to him. We can get complacent pretty easy as a people. And it says, no, then notice what he says, or send a pestilence among my people. Do you realize the definition of a pestilence is what we're living in today? This is a pestilence. God says, when those things come in your land, what do you do? And then look what it says here. I love this. It says, if my people, do you know him? Do you know God? Not know about God, do you know God? If you know God, it says, then you're, you're my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You gotta start with humility. This is not about me. This is not about elevating you know, our health, World Health Organization so that they're gonna solve our problems. They're gonna do all they can, but ultimately, I'm gonna trust in them and in God. But I'm always gonna let God trump them, Amen. I'm going, to, hey, I'm glad there's some smart people out there working on this, and they know what they're doing, and I want to listen to good advice. I want to heed wisdom, but I know ultimately this is about God. I want to trust in God. And it says, if my people humble themselves, and look at this, pray and seek my face. You ever just sought the face of God? I was talking to Tammy the other night. I said, you know, I, 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 I've been reading all about that. I'm just like an overload on this you know, pandemic. I mean, I was like, ah, I got another video, da, da, da. And I was sitting there and I said, you don't really spread the disease by your hands. You spread it by taking your hands and put it on your face, right? Because you can get your hands clean, then you get them dirty in five seconds. It's what happens is you stick it in your eye, you stick it in your nose. And, and on an average, people touch their face 25 times an hour. So I'm laying in bed, I said, I'm not gonna touch my face. I mean, I'm by myself. I mean, you know, I'm not, but I'm not doing it. I'm gonna see how hard this is. Greatest temptation of my life was not touching my face. I realized I've been molesting my face for years. <laughs> you 
try it. You just try it. You got to scratch something. You got to poke something. You got to pick something. I mean, everything's going on up there, right? Right now, I've got like four places I want to just grab. I'm seeking my face. God says, no, seek my face. Amen? Seek my face. 25 times a day, seek my face. Look what I'll do. If you seek my face, look what it says. If you'll seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. When I seek his face, my ways look wicked. When I don't seek his face, I think I'm doing pretty good. When I look at your face and compare your life to my life, I am go, well, I'm not doing bad. Amen? But that's not the standard. The standard is his face. If you will seek my face, look what it says. Turn from your wicked ways and look at the next word. What does it say? Let's say it together. So the word, ready? It's spelled T-H-E-N. Let's say it together. Then. After all that stuff, after all that stuff, what does it say? Then. How many of you right now are just dying to scratch your face? Anybody here? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, thank you for your honesty. You'll go to heaven for sure. All right, now watch this. Look, it says, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And look at the next one. What am I going to do? Heal their land. I'm going to bring healing on the land. He says, all I'm waiting for is for you to ask. All I'm waiting for you is to humble yourself. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you, how many does it take to do this? Does it take a whole nation? No. God can do it with a handful of people who are serious. God might even use some people who set their, their calendar for five minutes every day. Who knows what will move the heart of God. But I want to be ready for God when he moves. Amen? All right, next question is this one. What does the Bible predict? What is prophetic, in other words? Um, I was doing a, a TV uh, interview on Fox News, and uh, uh, she, uh, Lauren Green introduced me. She said, you're, well, I understand you're the uh, prophecy expert. See, how does one become a prophecy expert? And I said, I don't know. I said, somebody called me that, and the tag kind of caught on. I don't really know if I'm a prophecy expert or not, but I am the prophecy expert for the moment, all right? But what, is the, what does the Bible say? Well, the, first of all, the Bible says there's going to be challenges. This challenge is not the biggest one we will face, and it's not the last one we will face, all right? But we were never promised anything other than that by God, Amen. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 24. Very interesting scripture. Jesus has got the disciples. They're sitting on the Mount of Olives. Matthew chapter 24. He's talking to them. They're talking about, about what's important, what's going on. And it says, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So these guys, 2,000 years ago, they're asking the same question you and I are asking. What will be the sign of your coming and the, come and the end of the age? What's it going to be like? Huh? 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 What's it going to be like? We want to know. They were nervous. They realized they were living in prophetic times. They realized that life was fragile. They realized that every decision they made could make all the difference in the world, in this world and the world, of, the world to come. And Jesus answered them and said this, take heed that no one deceives you. First thing he said is, you're going to be subject to deception. The word deception in the Greek is a word that means to bait the hook and try to catch the fish. You see, you don't just put the hook down there. The, hook, the, the fish says, I don't want a hook. You put something on it that the, word, the fish likes, and then all of a sudden that, that, 
fish swims down. I'm not a fisherman. I don't even eat fish, but I know about fishing, okay? Because my friend Doug over there, he's a fisherman. He knows all about fishing. And now all of a sudden, that, that hook goes down, that worm starts to wiggle. Fish goes, that's what I've been looking for. I've been looking for a worm. You see, what happens is Satan puts something out, starts wiggling that you like. And you go, I've been looking for that. It might be something just to make you feel better, look better, think you're better. And all of a sudden you go, well, I'm going to bite that. But you, you didn't, you'd never bite a hook. No, but you bought what was on the hook. And he says, don't be deceived. This is the first thing he's teaching you. Don't be deceived. You will be deceived if you're not careful. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. That is, I'm the one. And will deceive not just a few, but many. You're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Well, why would wars and rumors of wars not trouble us? Remember, the context is the end of the world here. So in other words, you're gonna, there's always been battles, there's always been wars, all these things. It says, don't be troubled by that. This is not the end of the world. But now watch, this is very interesting. If you've got your Bible and you're taking notes on your Bible, I'm gonna show you some things that are gonna really help you. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. In other words, man's aggression against man is always gonna be there, is what he's saying, right? But the end is not yet. Now here's the key. This next phrase is the key. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now all of a sudden you can begin to take the scriptures and put chronology to it. The first time a nation rose against a nation, that is a worldwide battle and war, was World War I. So in my Bible, I have written right there 1914 to 1917. Because that's the first time that we became global in our, in our nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Everything was territorial before that, and it happened on a very small scale and not a global scale. So now if I know something about this passage, I say, okay, if I can chronolo chronologically put that in there, and if we were going through Matthew 24, which we may do, uh, just to kind of give you more insight into it later, not today, but then I can say, okay, if that's happening there, then what's next? Notice what follows. This is really interesting. It says, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. So he says, all right, now, if you take and say, okay, 1914, 1917, that's this passage right here, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. So he says, don't worry about earthquakes, pestilence, or famines, or wars prior to 1917. Because the prophetic clock is starting to tick after World War I. Now, from 1917 through today, pay attention to these things. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. The other ones don't matter. Because remember, God works on a timetable of his own. God has a plan of his own. For example, in Isaiah chapter 66, it says that can a nation be born in a day, and it talks about Israel be, being a nation of its own. Now, let me tell you why that's so important here. I didn't think I was going to get into this. You want me to go into this? Yeah. I knew you did. What are you going to do? Most of you aren't working now. You got, all the stores are closed. 
<laughs> you're, you're afraid, yeah, you're afraid to go out. I mean, you might as well just stay here. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's just put this. We'll put 1917. This becomes a really important place in history, right? So now we go down here. We have 1948, Israel becomes a nation, according to the prophecy of Isaiah 66. What's really interesting about that, if I go back here to 606 B.C., this is when Israel ceased to be a nation. This is when Babylon came in. First, uh, they, they took over the, uh, Judah and then Israel. And, uh, and what happened is, so now we're going forward. We're going up here. So now we've got roughly 2,500 years Israel has not been a nation. And all of a sudden, they're birthed a nation in one day. What made it even more interesting is that that one day followed three years earlier than that. Remember, we were in, the, in World War II, and there was the, the attempt to destroy all Jews off the face of the earth. And Adolf Hitler destroyed some six million of them. I have a copy of a newspaper, not an original, but a copy of a newspaper, and the headlines are, Zionism dead. And it showed the mass graves in Europe. Three years later, Hitler's dead, and God showed himself sufficient. Amen? He rose up a people. So now, all of a sudden, we've got another thing. And if we, if we were looking through more scripture, I'd show you that. So we've got, this is a prophetic date. This is a prophetic date. So now we're living in, during the time of a prophetic clock. The only question we don't have is when. Is it 100 years? Is it 1,000 years? We don't know. Time is always your biggest challenge in scripture. But we're living in last days. See, last days really kick into gear when prophecy kicks into gear. Then you begin to go, oh, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet, and then you quote the prophet, and you get the, the understanding of it, amen? So now watch this. So if you say, we're gonna start watching what's happening from this point on, pestilence, wars, earthquakes. That's gonna be important for us. But guess what? Don't be worried. Oh no, we're living in that time. Yeah. How big is your God? I mean, you got a small God, you got to worry. If your God is U.S. government, you got to worry. It, you got to worry because there's no human that can handle these kind of problems. But God is able. Amen. Can you say God is able? All right, I said challenges, but now I got some other. Good, I got some really good news for you. The other thing that's coming is latter day revival. Look at this Isaiah chapter forty four. God says, "I'm going to pour out water on a thirsty land." You think the land's not thirsty right now for some truth? Man, every, it's just like a desert out there. Ready? You know what happens when it rains in the desert? Life comes forth. Right now, we're living in a world that's a desert. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Guess what you're going to do? You're going to take your mission, your power, your authority, your word, your truth, and you're going to pour water on a thirsty land. You got people all around you that are thirsty. You know, leadership is all about standing strong in the middle of a crisis and not folding. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. The heaven's falling in. I need more toilet paper. Forget it. No, it's about you being who you are as a person of God and living in the spirit of God. I heard Billy Graham say this one time. He said, when the spine of one man is strengthened, he strengthens the spine of a thousand men. 
When you stand strong, everybody around you is affected. They go, wow, if you can stand strong, I'm gonna stand strong too. He says, I'm gonna pour out water on a thirsty land and streams on dry ground. He says, it's not just gonna rain. We're gonna create some streams, some tributaries, some rivers. On, and, and guess what? I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring. He says, when I get started, guess what? Your offspring's gonna get better. They're gonna, you're gonna see the effect. We're gonna see our children's ministry rise up. We're gonna see some real uh, powerful kids rise up who understand the power of God more than we did when we were young. And guess what? God says, if you just ask, I'm gonna give it to you. You wanna, you wanna, see, you wanna see rain come on your, ask me. You wanna see your kids? Hey, you know, we just had this uh, time. We had everybody come over for brunch, you know, that live here in California, our kids, and the grandkids came, and I got two boys and one little girl right now. I got another little girl in the oven. And uh, so they come over, and uh, they just can't wait. They, they're asking Papa for everything. Papa, can we shoot the BB gun? <laughs> yeah, but shh, I'm gonna sneak around here and shoot this BB gun. All right, I know I'm live streaming, but um, <laughs> we gotta shoot this BB gun. You know, well, they wanna shoot a BB gun. I'm gonna shoot a BB gun. I'm gonna say, who do you think you are asking to shoot a BB gun? Why do you ask me anything? Would I do that? Then my, my little granddaughter, she comes over and puts up her arm, Papa, hold me. I'm gonna, you hold yourself. I've been holding me all day long. <laughs> Am I gonna say that? There's no way I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say, you come here and let me hold you right now. When she wants down, I'm not gonna let her go. I just wanna hold on to her. Guess what? My Heavenly Father's the same way. He says, when you ask, I give it to you. Why aren't you asking? There came a point in the ministry of Jesus. He said, he looked at his disciples and said, up until now you've asked me for nothing. Ask that, you, that your answer may come, that your joy might be full. Why do you wait so long to ask is the whole idea here. He says, your spirit's gonna come upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Guess what? You're not just gonna get blessed. Your descendants are gonna get blessed. Remember old Jacob? Everybody wanted Jacob to come over and farm at his place because he had the favor of God on him, and it wouldn't, he got blessed, and if he just got around him, he got blessed. Do you know that you can get blessed by getting around people who are blessed? Yeah. I'm not lying. Study it in Scripture. You hang around people who are blessed and don't get envious, and you'll get blessed. Because favor jumps. It rubs off. Amen? You know, the word anointing, it literally means to smear. Everything's smeared on you. I got this new sweater. So nice. Bought this new sweater. Needed to go pick up some paint. Came in. So proud of myself. Got the paint. My wife looks at me and says, you got paint all over your sweater. Smeared it on. Couldn't get it off. When God gets smeared on you, you can't get him off. And everybody can see it. Why am I worried about that cashmere sweater now? It's been smeared on. Why are you worried about getting the Spirit of God smeared on you? That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be a proclaimer of life and proclaimer of life. You're supposed to walk in the Spirit of God. Amen. Now look what else it says. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. Your descendants are going to start popping up. Man, look at all those little willows. Willows, they're just reaching to the sky and drawn from the living water. Amen? Are you with me? Are you still with me? Then act like it. Come on now. You got to talk. All right. Let me show you something here. Hell cannot stop what heaven has planned. Hell, and neither can Wuhan, China. Amen? 
Nothing can stop what God has planned. God has got a plan and it trumps everything that everybody thinks is not gonna work. God is in control. His word will not return void. Whatever God says is gonna be true, it's gonna happen, it's gonna come to pass, amen? The greatest revival will come in the last days before his return. Let me show you something, Hosea chapter three, verse five. They shall fear the Lord and the goodness and his goodness in the latter days. When's the, when are they gonna start fearing God? In the latter days. Once you, you hit certain points in the latter days, you're gonna start seeing this. Hosea chapter six, verse three. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of God. Are you pursuing the knowledge of God? You ought to be reading your Bible every day. You ought to be studying it. You ought to be memorizing. You ought to be in the Word because you need that life inside of you. The Bible says the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you're not bold as a lion, then maybe there's something wrong inside. You got to get the Word in you. Amen? What else it says here? His going, for, uh, his going forth is established as morning. You go, is morning coming? God says, my goodness is established like the morning. You can depend on the goodness and the favor of God, just like you depend on the morning. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and the former rain. He said, you remember what I did back here? I got, that's the latter rain. I, I got, that's the former rain. I got some latter rain coming. Everything that happened back here, you say, oh, the good old days. No, the, the best days are yet to come. Greatest outpouring. We're living the fullness of time, the fullness of spirit, and the fullness of revelation. Right now, right now. We know more about God and His Word than the Apostle Paul did. Fullness of time, fullness of revelation, fullness of spirit. He didn't have a clue what he was writing. He was writing the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, didn't know what was going on. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and the former rain. Look at Joel 2.23. Be glad then, be glad you children of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God. He has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down to you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Zechariah chapter 10, verse one, ask the Lord for the rain. Oh God, let it rain. Have you said, God, let it rain? Say it, God, let it rain. God, let it rain. Let it pour, let it pour, let it pour. Oh God, let it rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain grass in the field for everyone. God begins to come. He says, look, just go lay down the grass. You don't have to worry about the desert anymore. Desert's passed. Latter rains come. Revival's come. Life's come. Use this time wisely while on earth. You're a sojourner on this earth. Use this time wisely. And God's going to pour out his blessings on you. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing. And we're going to sing this song, but I want you to sing it like you really mean it. But I want you to sing it prophetically. We sing it move? Yeah? Okay. I want you to sing it prophetically. What does that mean? That means the words that we're singing are the words that you want to see God do in your life. Okay? If you want to just make up some words as you go, as God gives you some words, Throw those words in there. God, I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see this. Amen? All right, let's sing together. Let's sing it with all our heart. 